Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. Who? Me? Yeah, you. The uh, Culture of Safety. Okay. <laughs> You're like, um, all right. I guess. How's it going, Matt? Good, dude. How are you? I'm doing good. So we've been getting a lot of a lot of buzz on our podcast. A lot of people are starting to ask us, you know, when are we gonna get to, you know, the the mid-level mid-level safety so we're starting to make that transition we want everybody to understand that yes they uh, stick with us we're uh, already starting that transition from okay you know entry level technician level into the advisor or i, I know there's like a thousand different terminology for yeah. the mid-level safety person so today we're actually gonna be talking about like program improvement and how to create different types of programs so oftentimes as a technician we we focus too much on on safety, right? And I think that's I think that's something that a lot of people run into. Focus too much, on too safety? much on safety. It's safety, safety, safety. <laughs> Everything stops because of safety. And you know, as we talked about on this episode pl- plenty of times, is there's three. I mean, there's more than three things, but the the three main things are quality, production, and safety. And if you have one of too much, then what ends up happening is you have a shortfall in the other. So if you have, you have too much production, there's not enough safety, you're having injuries. So all the money you are making goes back to your insurance carrier or into injuries. Obviously too much safety, you don't have any production. And if you don't have any quality, then nobody's buying your product. So it's just really important to not harp too much on safety, but that's, you know, at the technician level, that's your mindset. Hey, I'm getting into safety. I care about people. Awesome. And unfortunately that's your only you know, that's your only focus is safety. If you see something wrong, everything has to stop, you know, and those are the ones that you kind of see are kind of reckless in the beginning. They don't know how to properly approach things. And we're trying to make that transition. Okay. Well, we understand that. Well, how do we make that transition from that just a safety person into that higher level, mid-level safety advisor where you're over projects and you're over departments. And then you report to just the manager yourself, or maybe even you'll have two or three, you know, technicians underneath you. So more of a supervisory role, if, if you will. Yeah. I was going to say that I don't think it's necessarily all like entry level safety people are this way. No, but I, I no, do feel like, it's a, like that too. I, yeah. I was that's exactly what I was going to say is that it's more of a trap that you can fall into. And it's really easy for a, an entry level person to get into this mode of safety, 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 because they're new. And what did what do they get? What do they know? Probably whatever they've learned so far in safety. Yeah. So that's what they're going to focus on. Um, but if you want to be efficient and you want to, to move up, you know, eventually I have seen people move up and still be in that mode. And those people, you know, that's not usually a good, a good place yeah, to be. Yeah, it's a lot more difficult to, to work with. And yeah, they usually make bigger messes. Cause if you're, if you're new or you're low man on the totem pole, you're, you're allowed to make more mistakes, right? You're like, oh, well, they're kind of new. They don't really understand. You know, they're still they're still going through their career or, you know, it's like everything, right? The rookies, all those kind of people, the new guys, FNGs, whatever you guys want to call them. <laughs> yeah. You didn't expect that. Did you? They typically make messes and, and we've dealt, I've dealt with them in, in many different um, industries and they're very gung ho. They're ready to make a name for themselves. And they're like, yeah, safety, safety, yeah. safety. Or, you know, what? when I was an EMT on the mm-hmm. ambulance, they're like, yes, I just got my national registry. Oh, man, I'm the best, best EMT ever. And then you go into the real world and you say, okay, well, yeah, the book does have a lot of weight, but it's learning how to apply those things in different situations. Because it's like OSHA, we can't make up specific rules for specific industries. We have to make broad rules for most industries, right? So we have to learn, and especially what this episode is going to be about, is learning how to apply what you've learned to the company that you are working for, 
right? It's kind of custom tailoring things and not just kind of like making cookie cutter, you know, either programs and stuff like that. So again, that transition for the next couple of episodes is kind of getting you guys to understand like, hey, if I'm at this technician level, I've got my foot in the door, I've been working maybe a year or two, you know, how do I, how do I leverage my knowledge, abilities and skills up to the next level and obviously go for higher pay, more responsibilities and getting that. Um, so yeah, program, I would say, I always like to say program management, even though you're not really managing programs, but oftentimes you'll be given, you know, assignments. Hey, here's a respiratory protection program or lockout tag out, whatever the program usually you get thrown. Hey, we want you to revise this. How would that look in our department or in our, in our industry? Because oftentimes it's too easy, even in training for you to go online, find a PowerPoint and then just use that. And it has nothing to do or has vaguely uh, resemblance to whatever industry that you guys are working in. Yeah, it's just really all of the common standard stuff that you see, like the very generic wording that you see mm -hmm. that really anybody could use. But what kind of values that actually bring into your program? Exactly. A lot of people either look at it and like, what is what is this program even saying? Is it even like, does it even apply to my department or my industry? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, I've actually ran into some companies uh, when I was doing consulting is they literally just took somebody else's. I mean, it's it's common practice. Don't get me wrong. It's common practice for people to steal each other's work. Hey, IIPP. Still? In, uh, Let's use yeah. a different word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Borrow and make changes to make your own. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that that I get, I agree with. Taking some things and making slight changes to it, that's different. Versus like, okay, well, how come? Oh, just straight copy and yeah, paste. Yeah, just straight copy and paste. and Not even so, changing the logo. So, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the names are still the old names. I'm like, well, how come it says, you know, this, this company, company A for the first half of the document and then it's company B like intermittently you're like, Oh yeah, we just copy and paste it. And we, we changed some of the names cause you know, it's either the acronym or mm -hmm. they had a slight spelling uh, change or misspelling. I think I name. told you that I, I had this story before where I had a guy, a safety guy that would do that a lot. Yeah. He would bring documents from other safety guys or companies and he would hit control F. Yeah. Find, find the word. Find the word. Or I think it's control R. Like, no, find it's, it's control, yeah. Control find and then find you hit replace. replace. Yeah. And so then there would be like these random like words that didn't make sense in the middle <laughs> of the paragraphs and stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, this dude definitely just <laughs> did that. Yeah. It'd be like, oh, the culture of safety. And you're like, bro, that's not even our company. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And again, I've seen it. You've seen it. I think we've all seen it before. And, and I think we're all guilty of it early on in our career, but it's really important just to learn when you're building a program, it's it's okay to do that, right? It's okay to get a a foundation, yeah. Because you don't need to go through and check every single regulation and then type it out yourself. Exactly. Copying and pasting is very effective, right? But then when you read through it, okay, well, does it really apply? I know one of the rules that I've seen a lot is the ten foot rule, right? We talked about this a, a couple times before, but in um, Fed OSHA, it's the ten foot rule on scaffolding. You can be up to ten feet on scaffolding without having fall protection. And then when it comes to Cal OSHA, obviously it's seven and a half. And some of our, some of the clients that we've worked for, it was like four feet and six feet. It just depends on, you know, what you were doing. A hundred percent. I've actually seen up to 15 feet because one company actually took it from a steel erection company. Mm. And what they did was inspection. So obviously that's general industry. And that was one of my favorite ones is I was like, hey, did you guys actually read through this stuff? They're like, no, we just copy, paste it, change all the names. They put all the new logos and they changed, you know, the change of the names of the the owners to whoever it was. And I would say they actually did a, a pretty halfway decent makeup job. 
But when you actually read into all of the stuff, a lot of the stuff didn't even really pertain to them. They had, um, they had radiation. That was a, that was a good one. Like, do you guys deal with radiation? Like, no, no, we don't. Why do you guys have a radiation? You know, well, I say chapter, but you know, section in section, in your yeah. program. Well, uh, and then you know, just the list just goes on and on. They're just doing inspections. They're never at heights. They're never at any anything where they're going. They're, all the materials are brought to their yard. They do the inspection. They, they're um, um, coding inspectors, so they're just literally looking at all the coatings and stuff like that. And if they have to to make changes or whatever, that's all they do. They don't do any welding inspections, none of that. Well, why do they have all these different programs in there if they don't need them? And again, that they just copied and pasted and brought it over. So obviously, as a safety technician, that's probably going to be your go-to. And again, we want to help you transition and make that mind change that it's no longer just about safety, safety, safety. Now we have to take a couple of different, you know, aspects. We have to I take a, take a step back. You know, is that a really good reference? Is take a step back and kind of see a bigger picture. Yeah. Right. And as you as you progress on the ladder, you have to take bigger pictures, bigger pictures, and then. Mm-hmm. Then when you get to like management, it's no longer about the big picture. Now you're having to manage people that are in charge of the big picture mm-hmm. and getting them to transition and, and that kind of stuff. So that's that's where I, I feel like that's a little bit more fun is on that management side because it's no longer like, OK, well, yeah, I'm I'm in charge of the big picture, but I'm also in charge of the people in charge of the big picture. If that makes sense. No, that makes sense. So what are we saying for mid-level people? How we, So let's get into it. Like how. How are we going to get mid-level people? How do they, what do they need to do to change their mindset and to, you know, not just copy and paste? Well, the biggest tip I always have is, again, think of those three things, you know, and it depends on your department. I've seen this work everywhere. So, I mean, until I find maybe a fourth or fifth thing, you know, you can apply that as well. But I've always thought of those three things is safety, uh, production and quality. Right. And, you know, we can use a a variety of different types of analogies, but the best one is like this. Um, I I hope everybody here is pretty pretty familiar with the company, you know, called Harbor Freight. Right. Harbor Freight is a tool company that is um, cheap. You know, um, it's a cheap they provide cheap tools. The quality is not very good. They typically break after, you know, maybe mm-hmm. six months to a year or if you put any type of, you know, force on them. They're, they're, at the end of the day, they're cheap. You know, if you need a quick tool that's going to work, go there, right? Versus Snap-on or even Home, not even Home Depot, but Home Depot is like the mid-level and then Snap-on would be like the highest level. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're taking into those three accounts. You're talking about safety, quality, and production. You're going to get stuff that's going to work. It's going to work for a long time. And you know that the product isn't going to hurt you, right? You have to understand those three values in order for you to to get there. If you focus only on selling, like, hey, we have tools, we'll sell them to you. Again, that's the safety side. You're going to have an inferior product and people aren't going to really want to buy it. And I'm saying that Harbor Freight isn't successful. They are. (laughs) I was going to say, the analogy works, but it kind of doesn't because Harbor Freight is huge. Yeah, Harbor Freight is huge. And it's like like pizza too, right? You know, there's a lot of companies out there that have really cheap pizza. You can get it for like a dollar a slice. Little Caesars. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Little Caesars has gotten better, though. Yeah, but they're like $6 a pizza. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not Domino's, and it's not like those custom, you know, brick like oven pizzas. Yeah. You know, it's not one of those ones. But at the end of the day, it'll serve its purpose. And again, uh, that's, again, I tell people that's the technician level. Like, could it be, meets a basic need. Hey, we need a pair of eyes and ears out there telling us what's going on. 
right? That's what the technician level is. When you're going to the next level, right? Now you're going to consider those two other things. How is what I'm doing going to impact both production and quality at the same time? So you still focus on safety and that's okay. Obviously that's your job. But now we have to take into account those two other things. I like this. So we're moving from Harbor Freight to Home Depot right now. Right. And eventually we're going to go from Home Depot to Snap-on. Right. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're moving from from the the technician, the Harbor Freight. You know, hey, I'm out there. Hey, you need a tool? I got one. Getting the job done. Yeah, I'm getting the job done Barely. to now, okay, now we're able to leverage our knowledge, our experience. Right now, hopefully we have experience. Hopefully we have some knowledge or education behind our, be, our under our belt. And now we can use those and the things that we're that we've learned, the lessons we've learned in our in our experience, to be able to okay, well, you know what, me just pushing the safety button all the same every single time just does not work. What else is there? And, you know, I think that's that's that that's that transitional moment. What else? What else will work? Well, this is where the management that that understanding of how these different things work together. To create a whole company. Obviously, as you go higher and higher, it gets way more complex and it gets way more difficult and a lot more fun, in my opinion. But here, start focusing on other departments. How will what I do affect the supervisors? How will what I do affect? Well, usually you're not going to affect management. That's at the mid-level um that mid-level area, you're going to start interacting a little bit more with management. But if as a technician, you're working with supervisors, right? Usually you're like, hey, supervisor, this is what's wrong. A, B, C, D, correct it. That's it, right? You're done. Well, now we're going to start implementing the leadership skills, right? You're going to start le- learning leadership because eventually, right, you want to be a manager. You have to have good leadership skills as a manager because if you don't, then you're going to be very ineffective and your team's going to get frustrated and you're going to have turnaround and it's just a big hassle, right? Start focusing on okay, well, I'm going to build a program, right? No longer is okay, well, it meets X, Y, Z, right? I could submit this to OSHA and we'll pass, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right? You know, compliance versus adherence. I built something that's going to comply. You know, if OSHA comes and audits our system, it says right there, we're good. How is that going to affect other departments? I'll give you a great example. When, I mean, this is kind of a little bit higher, but when I was making a change in one of my programs, there, it was just focused on two departments. It was focused on operations and safety. That was it. No, nothing else. There was no quality um, and, you know, HR and a couple other departments as well. I decided, I was like, well, you know what? We need to revamp this system. It's not working for us, right? It, we're doing work, but the work is meaningless. You know, it had no real value to the company. So I was like, okay, well, you know, let's make a change to it. So what I did is I, again, I took the step back, right? And I said, okay, well, this only focuses a little bit on safety and a little bit on, on, on staffing. Let's increase it to risk, risk management. Let's increase it to HR. And well, and one of them was business, had to do with business, but the other one was accounting. So now I have to, to learn to interact and get information out of different departments, right? What's that going to create? Buying. Hostility? Oh. <laughs> yeah, hostility. You're like, yeah, hostility. Well, I mean, it depends on how you approach it. If you if you say you're improving one of your programs, mm-hmm. but you need their input because you're worried about how it's gonna affect them. For sure. A hundred percent. They're gonna be messing around. They're gonna be they're gonna be behind you. They're like, they're gonna have buy-in. Hopefully, if it's a good leadership team or a good team. Well, I mean, even if you aren't a good leader, 
No, not you. Just yeah, even if they're a bad leader, they're going to be like, well, what do you mean? Like, yeah, this system that we have affects you. It either slows you down or creates oh, yeah. bottlenecks. You got to know how to sell it. it yeah, I, I'm not very I'm not very good at, you know, creating this system and or this system isn't working for either one of us. How do we improve it? But again, I want to take your department into account because most changes aren't, you know, singular, right? Especially in safety, no one's just creating a respiratory protection program for no reason. Right. You're going to have operations use it. And if you guys are, you know, doing purchasing and stuff like that, your procurement's going to need to know about, you know, any changes. So it's important to figure out how those changes are going to be implemented. Typically, what I use, and I know what you use, is a management of change. You guys, if you don't have management of change, I swear to God, is the greatest tool of all time. You learn about it, figure it out, implement it into your system because it's going to help you way down the road, get rid of all the problems. Figure out how this implementation uh, implementation is going to affect each one. Mm -hmm. um, specifically for let's say like fleet, right? Typically for for the company I work for, we had an instance where our drivers weren't really getting properly trained, right? We had a little system put in place; it wasn't very effective. So I talked to their staffing coordinators and I said, "Okay, what system would work? What information do you guys need, and what information do I need, right?" I'm working across, as they say in politics, across the aisle. I'm working with other departments. Yeah. What that's going to do is because now they're involved, they have input, they're going to have buy-in, they're going to be more willing to accept the change, first of all. They're going to say, hey, yeah, this does need to get changed. It's old. And it, it, this talks about you know, stuff later on as a manager and how to manage, manage actual change. But working with those people will give you the insight. Right. Especially like we talked about earlier in the episode, if you're trying to make changes, go to the people that are, that know the best. Right. Hey, I'm going to implement this. Talk to the workers. They know the the the, the job tasks and the skills and the dangers a lot better than we do. Mm -hmm. Talk to them. Same thing. If you're making a program change, talk to the people that it's going to affect. Hey, how would this affect you? Would it affect you? Make it easier? Would it make it harder? Does it seem more difficult? Do you think you would do such a thing? Of course, you're going to have some people that say, nah, you know, you know, either we've done it before or yeah, it's not going to work. And sometimes that kind of helps. You know, I ran into a couple of roadblocks before and I asked them like, hey, will this work? They're like, no, we've already tried that. Well, why didn't it work? Oh, X, Y, Z, da, 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 da. Oh, okay. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll tackle the situation from a mm -hmm. different perspective. But in the end, what ended up happening is we created a program. There's a safety program in place now where they watch like a video and they have a test. Um, we do thorough background checks, and then we have a whole system and paperwork that follows it that helps them understand, okay, well, this it needs to get done for my section before I pass it on to the fleet manager. And then the fleet manager does the last two parts and makes sure that they're in the system. Okay, so hold up. I like your example right now because I think, but I want to try and break it down a little more simply because it took me a while to understand what, what, what you were getting at. Yes. But basically, let's say you're an entry-level person, right? Yes. And you're tasked with, uh, <laughs> you're tasked with implementing a what would you call like almost like a DOT program or like a driver yeah driver safety DOT driver safety whatever right? so as a sometimes as a safety technician what you'll do is you'll go to dmv.gov you're going to go to OSHA or whatever it is that's relatable to yes. the program you can be like okay I know that I need to have insurance I know that I need to make sure they have a license I need to make sure that they're they're able to travel across state lines or whatever it might be right and then you write your program like that but what we're saying, what you're saying is, yeah, that's a good start. It is. Now, let's look at, you have that stuff in place, but how can we take that and make it better so that our employees are actually 
getting use out of this program. So creating value. Yes. Let's put some other things in place. Like let's make sure other departments are involved. What is it going to take from fleet to make sure that this guy is trained correctly? What yes. kind of checklist does he need to go through? What kind of training does he need to have? Does he need to have like annual things or whatever? So it's just like kind of working it into your business better. Yes. Then think of it like a Frankenstein's monster. And that's probably the best analogy I can kind of think of right now. Oftentimes as professionals, we're going to, like you said, we're going to go in and type in fleet management policy dot doc. <laughs> never say I've never done that. For example, <laughs> for example. example, no, I'll put like, uh, I'll put like respiratory protection, protection program DLC. example. Yeah. I don't do the dot doc. I should try that. Yeah. yeah you, you, it's life hack guys. You can find free documents in either PDF form I, I or still doc find free documents. Yeah. But... We're documents and it's, it's editable. Oh, I'll put PDF sometimes. Yeah. But PDF or PPT for PowerPoint. Oh yeah. Or Excel. Oh yeah. There's, there's lots of templates you can usually cheat. But again, that's a Frankenstein's monster. If you're taking, you know, six different programs from six different people and just patching it together. Yeah. Yeah. You have a monster, but it's not a very effective monster. Yeah. This is what I like to do. So when I do stuff like that, it's not that I, I'm not even copying and pasting. What I'm really doing is I'm, I'm going to look if, if, I, if it's something that I don't know much about, I'm going to. So look, everything. Yeah. I'm going to look at what's in those programs. Like, let's say it covers training and it covers uh, whatever it yeah. might be. And I'm going to use it as like a basis. Okay, I need to make sure that my program or like, hey, yeah, this stuff will apply to my program. I need to make sure I cover it in a way that makes sense to my in company. In a way that is translatable. Yeah, you're going to translate it to your company, your culture and all that kind of stuff. So Especially, I do do that, but I'm not copying and pasting. Well, right, exactly. I'm using it as reference material. I know. Like we said before, I mean, we we do use a copy and paste format. Like, like I don't need to sit there and rewrite, oh, well, the flaw protection needs to be at this and this and this. There's certain things in there that are regulatory mm -hmm. that – I mean, you could easily pull off any website, OSHA or whatever. Shoot, OSHA gives you free programs. Yeah, there's outlines. a lot of that stuff. But again, it's it's cookie cutter. It's not yeah. going to always fit with your company. And that's where that, again, that's where that, that transition makes. So whenever you guys are doing, this is your homework. Go to your your company, right? Find a program. Whatever program you feel comfortable with. Look at one that has a really old revision date. Oh, Yeah. Something that you feel really strong, and everybody has their strong suit, whether it's respiratory protection or electric or hand protection, BBSO, whatever, tag out, whatever, it is. whatever it is that you specialize in, look at the program and look and find ways that you can improve it. Learn and figure out, hey, you know what? There's a big gap in this section. You're going to start using that word a lot more as gap. You know, we haven't really used it a whole lot in this, in this uh, podcast, but I'm going to start using that a lot more as finding, finding those little gaps finding the the pieces missing in the big picture and learn how to transition those into what works for the company, right? Because oftentimes we work in a lot of different industries and with a lot of different hazards. Again, if you're working in a company and you have a regulatory a re a regulation for radiation and you have no, or laser, one of my favorite ones is your lasers. You have lasers in uh, protection and you have no lasers in your division or in your company. Obviously you can get rid of that. Unless you have subcontractors that that use lasers, yeah. unless you have sharks with lasers on, on their, their heads. heads, yeah. Now we're talking. Yes, I, I believe that's a really good security system, from my understanding. That's what I've heard. That's what I've. That's what I've been. It's been well documented, but yes, that is that is the transition we want. A lot of our list, our young listeners, young in their career. I don't to, say yeah, that young. What do you mean? Young in their career, you know, they're like I said, they're entry level, they're to the technician level. Because I, I get that a lot. 
well, how do I make it that next step over? And well, what are you doing? Well, I'm just kind of doing the same old things. You know, again, we're not going to cover everything in this one episode, but this is one way to start learning how to shine, right? Yeah. You're going to show management, hey, I'm already making that transition from the safety, safety, safety button to, oh, okay, well, now I learn how to thread the needle between safety, production, and quality, right? Being able to understand that whatever we do in the safety department does affect other people. And I, I think I've seen that, and I know you have seen it too many times where safety comes out with a rule. It's way off base, right? It's way blown up and they didn't, they didn't take anything else into consideration. I've even seen this at the top, top of the levels. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't work for three, four months. It either, you know, either dies, dies in the, the field or they have to start re redacting a lot of the stuff because they, they push safety too far. And I've learned, especially I would say probably one of the biggest things lately. And I'm pretty sure everybody here is probably sick is the COVID-19. Some of these programs are like making you take one, two, three, five tests back to back. And it's like, what's the, I can't go to work because I haven't taken three or two negative tests. I haven't waited six weeks since my, my, my positive. Like it's, it's, I've heard so many crazy absurd rules over the past year. And again, it, it, it harkens to that whole, like we push that safety button too hard and I get it. Like, Hey, I understand that it can become a recordable and all these other things. I understand those things. But at the end of the day, if we push that button too hard, we're losing production. And we don't have production. We're not, we don't have anything to sell. Right. Or, or sometimes it can push into quality and we can kind of talk about how quality can get, you know, um, disturbed because of safety as well. 100%. But at the end of the day is we have to make that mindset change of it's not always about safety. It's what's what's better for everything, right? If you've ever had kids, you'll learn that same thing too. Sometimes you have to let your kids do something risky. You know, you know it's going to hurt them. Obviously not too, not too bad. Not too bad. But yeah, let's be honest, especially if you have a boy, some of these boys just don't learn. They learn the hard way. My kid, you know, is recently working, learning how to skateboard. We tell him every time, hey, put your helmet and your pads on. Guess what? He's like, okay, I have my. He, we've he, we've we've hammered down the helmet. Yeah. We protect it the most important just thing. Just like my son. Dude. Protect the most important thing. That's it though. And then he's like, oh, I'm gonna wear not wear my pads. And of course, he took one one fall. I mean, it wasn't a big scrape on the knee, but he learns like, oh, that's why I wear pads. Yes. We told you. We gave you the reason why. But some people learn the hard way, and I'm not gonna say I wasn't that way when I was a child. Sometimes I'm like that as an adult. I think you probably didn't wear a helmet a lot as a kid, huh? You kind know of, what? It would explain. I, a lot of I don't now. like I don't like the accusations being thrown, but that is an accurate assessment. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic. It's ironic how unsafe I was as a human being prior to becoming a safety professional. Like, do you ever just, think that sometimes safety professionals are inherently extremely unsafe? Maybe okay. That's not a good way to word it. Actually, I feel like okay. Maybe this is the better way to word it. We know how to be very unsafe wait yes 100 percent. figure out how to say i've it. i've I, I know exactly what you're trying to you say know what i'm trying to say i've learned over the many years that safety people are the most dangerous people they because, can be no they are well and I, the reason being know. is because they're tip most most safety professionals as they develop get more dangerous because they know the risk they yeah. they can sit there and calculate oh well you know that's the chances this is happening and da, 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 da. that's what it and, is yeah and that's what it comes down to and it's okay because at the end of the day, we know, I mean, we preach one thing and we do another, right? And not I, always. I mean, not always. I mean, of course, there are certain things that I do that I always make sure, you know, yeah. on a ladder and stuff like that. But a lot of times I'm going to be like, okay, well, I know the risk and I'm willing to take the, the chance That's because the it's so 
far out there. And that's what always makes me laugh because people say, oh my God, that's dangerous. And you're a safety guy? And I'm like, first of all, you don't know the risk. You just see it and you're like, well, I don't really know. I don't exactly. really understand. And I'm like, well, if I sat here and explained it to you, you'd be like, oh, okay. I guess it's not that risky. I think that's what I was really trying to say was not that we do dangerous stuff, but I, uh, constantly it's just inherent in my brain now that almost everything I do, I'm doing like a risk analysis on. Like, yeah, even 100%. If it's, even it's if just, it's quick. It, yeah. It's just I'm always constantly doing that. And I've, I exactly what you're saying. Like most of the time I'm actually doing stuff probably safer than a normal person would. Yes. But there's instances where I'm like, I, I do it real quick in my head and I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, could, pretty, I could do this. I could totally, I could totally get away with that. Yeah, Which 100%. is a terrible thing to do really. Oh, 100%. But because we're doing it out of a, a oh, I hate to come back to this this term, but knowledge based mode. You know, we're we're sitting there and we're analyzing higher level tools. It's not like I'm you know a field worker and I've never been trained in in the ways of safety, mm -hmm. and I'm making a you know off the cuff judgment like, well, is this safe? I don't know. I guess I'll try it. Versus we're like, no, I know the regulations. I know the ins and outs. I you know I have enough experience and knowledge. I can sit there and say, yeah, with a good ninety eight percent probability, there's a a, a very light unlikely chance probably even less than that of me getting injured right and so yeah 100 percent. that's why i see people safety people are the most dangerous people because it's like it's like it's like the matrix you know as neo goes through the matrix he learns that it's fake and he's learned he learns how to manipulate it at the end same thing with safety as you learn the rules <laughs> right you follow the rules and then you learn how to manipulate them oh well technically i can do this this and this because these are the regulations and then, of course, those are the the most smart, intelligent, and, and creative types of safety professionals. You learn the rules, and then you learn how to bend the rules to make it work for whatever task that you're doing. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people like to see it that way. Of course not. But that's the reality of it. 100% that is the reality of and it. And that's what you guys should be striving for. You learn the rules and really, learn how to bend really, really good safety, like high-level safety person is being able to do that. Yeah. It's Especially when it comes to like customers and oh, yeah. and oh man i had a i had a um osha inspection um uh, last week actually so i had a client how has this not me. come up already on the show the i know well the, i was like so it was, it was it was this whole long story about uh a person called the person they called me hey joe we got an osha citation some guy came in got upset and called osha and said there was a bunch of hazards and da da da, da. and so um i called up the the um the the construction safety health officer. And he's like, well, this is what we got. This, 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 and this. And I said, okay. He took pictures and all this other stuff. And I said, look at the report. And that's exactly what it came down to. Well, technically, A, B, C, D. Technically, A, B, C, D. Technically, A, B, C, D. This is very vague. We can, we determined it to be X, mm -hmm. Y, Z. And it was ended up, actually, it was actually super easy. I made a lot of, I made a lot of money, but I made pretty decent money for, very, very little bit of work. And it all turned out just to be looking at the regulations that were cited and learning how to bend them and skew them in a way that it was like, well, no, technically, this is what the regulation says. It does not say the X, Y, Z. This is why it works. Mm -hmm. I remember one of, one of the, I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, so we had chemicals. Uh, well, they had chemicals on the job site and they were cited for not having a um, eyewash station. So if you guys have this situation in your plant, hey, there's an eyewash station, but it's more than, I think it was like 15 feet, I think was what was cited, right? They said there was no no eyewash station within 15 feet, blah, 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 okay? So I looked up the regulation. Of course, there, there's nowhere in it where it says there has to be a certain distance. There mm -hmm. has to be one on site. Mm -hmm. The one that they had was with like 35, 40 feet, somewhere like that. And said it has to be immediately available. It's right there. 
we do we do a hascom or we they did a hascom training and all that other kind of stuff that program was good but that was one of the easy citations to fight was because yeah technically they didn't have one right there but there's nowhere in the whole osha msha um hascom standard that states hey you have to have a certain amount of feet between whatever chemical constant chemical that mm -hmm. that's there and your eyewash station. Yeah. I mean, of course you want to get it as close as possible. I think they have, they have, they definitely don't have specific wording, but they have wording that says it needs to be like nearby or something. Yeah. It has to be nearby. It's something that they leave vague on purpose. Yeah. We, we determined that the, the nearby was, was within 50 feet. So, you know, and I, it's, it's again, it comes to that, those things. So safety things where people just don't understand the nuance of those safety rules and learning how to bend them to make it so like, Hey, yeah, well, technically, Technically, was it the most safest thing? No. She should have been placed qu uh, closer 100%. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, especially because of the, the level of the chemical. But the way that it was plumbed in before, that's just where it was. So I was like, well, you know, we can't really do much, but we can fight it. And that's, again, that becomes that, at that higher level of learning how to bend bend and manipulate the safety regulations or even even just the rules. Even just the rules will, will help you out. I remember a couple of times where people have, have pushed back, like we had to make changes to, you know, PPE. And they're like, oh, you need to change this and change this. And I'm like, okay. First thing I do is look at their, look at their, um, at the client's requirements. And I'm like, hey, this is right here. We can't do it. So yeah, walk away. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I, when you're making me think of a really good example, one of the, um, one of the safety professionals that I hired a couple of years ago, straight out of college, right? Straight out uh, of Compton, you said? Straight out of college with a, a degree in safety. And um, the first thing that I, it was a it was a female, the first thing that I put her on was going through and updating programs, looking at programs yep. um, and just determining if they need to be updated, if they're correct. And on some of them, she was coming back to me. In the beginning, she was coming back to me and she was just like pages of like what she interpreted from regulation. She would not put, the good thing is she didn't put any of her own like emotions or anything into it. It was all facts. Yeah. So it's everything that OSHA said, everything that any of the uh, regulating bodies or right. like the NIOSH associated and like all that NIOSH stuff, yeah. and everything. And uh, the first couple of times I went through and we would go through them together and I would just be like, yeah, you're going to take all that out. You're going to take all <laughs> that out. And then I'd be like, this is what you're going to say instead. That's going to cover all of this. All stuff of this in one, one or two sentences in like in like a small paragraph. And at first, like the, she did that. Pro she probably spent hours yeah. and hours on the first few programs. And then finally, I started to get to her. I was like, hey, like, after a couple of them, I was like, hey, look it. You're, do it the way you want to do it, right? But just think about it. Read what you're writing. Read what you're putting down on the paper. And then think, does this make sense? And how can I write it so that it works for my company and doesn't break this rule? Yes. And then we Perfect were example. And then she finally started to, like, like I don't know. On. I could have been training her completely wrong. Who knows? This is, my, this is the way yeah, I do it. Yeah, you're a terrible boss. Duh. This is the way I was doing it. But uh she finally started learning like okay i don't need to do 40 hours and write a 70 page document for a program <laughs> you're not writing a white a white paper <laughs> exactly. on respiratory protection but wearing ppe so i don't know i mean like it has positives and minuses the way she was doing it because she was learning all this stuff that she was reading from anzi and niosh and all this right stuff. but it just took a while for her to figure out like okay. you make that change from yeah. okay it's not technician we're not just following regulation but we're applying it look and i'm not saying that I'm a badass or anything, but nine months in, she became a global safety person for a company. So, um, well, after my training, just weird. saying.
Yeah, it had nothing to do with her degree or anything like that. Nothing. <laughs> Definitely not. Nothing to do with that. But no, I mean, 100%, that's, that's, that is something that we all run into. And I, I, I'll be honest, I was like that when I first started. I was like, okay, cool, all the regulations. And then now I've gotten to the point where it's easier to manage. I mean, I've created a, a master document, and all I have to do is literally take out sections from each one, and I just apply it and then make small changes within those programs to fit the client. Mm-hmm. But that's that's one of the easiest, especially we're talking about safety programs or IIPPs and SMSs, safety management systems. Having that basic template and understanding like, hey, yes, this is my base template. It works for the majority of companies, but as I as I uh, go through their company, I say, like, okay, well, do you have this? No, do you have that? No, do you have this? No, do you have that? And I just kind of put a line through each one of those little, you know, I put it on my my TOC, my table of compl- uh, contacts, uh, contents, contents, table of contents, cross each one out. Yeah, you don't need radiation. Oh, yeah, you don't need fall protection. Yeah, you don't need respiratory protection. Oh, yeah, you don't need this, 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 this. All right, cool. Take all that out. Now I have left is is the meat. Now I look at the meat. How can I apply this to their company? What do you guys do? What are your processes? Do you guys have this? Do you guys have that? Do you have any, you know, any type of weird? One of the one of my favorite ones is, you know, if you have a separate procurement, you know, some companies will put procurement through, you know, each department. So they'll have, let, let's say, um, each division will have their own procurement. They'll yeah. have one person for procurement or they'll have one procurement for safety and then one for operations. I mean, I've seen it done many different ways and it's just learning how, how do they manage that and how they manage every system and putting that into their, their document. So again, like you said, it makes sense. Like, Oh, if I were a fly on the wall and I were to grab this document, I would understand how it applies to this company. So again, go out there and talk to the different departments, try to figure out how is this going to impact them? Is it going to make it more work for them? I tell you this much, if you're trying to get buy-in making more work for people, it's not going to, it's not going to fly. Make it easier for them. 100%. Make it easier to cut all the red tape. I, I'm i a very, I hate bureaucracy and I hate red tape. I hate people go, well, you can't. Why not? Because. Because why? Because. Like, no, yeah. just do it. You know, Nike, just do it. Get it done. I have other more important things to worry about than this stupid program. And you're sitting there putting red tape all over it for no reason. Make it, make people's lives easier, make it more efficient so we can do the most important type of work because program management is not, it is important, but I, I would say there's a lot more important things than, than a piece of paper. Yeah. You know, yes, our employees are going to reference it a lot of times, you know, if, especially if they, well, maybe hopefully depending on how your company if, if set you, up. if you have a good culture, they will. I mean, so I feel like I've seen it work a lot too, where you have your programs written and then you have like your simplified versions of the programs that are designed to be read by the employee. Oh, like an SOP? Or or whatever. Maybe not necessarily an SOP, but yeah, it could be or some other type of document that breaks it down or breaks it up so that it's easier for them to understand. Because sometimes the programs I feel are, are more written for the regulation. Yeah. The regulator, if they come in, 100%. they want to know. That's what, that, that's what that's for. And then the implementation and how you implement it and how you teach the employees about it. It's usually a diff- little different. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I did discount adding that. That yeah, oftentimes discount, you do have a, a, a specific document for the regulation, and then usually you have ones that kind of just kind of dumbs it down to like, yeah. hey, well, what do I need? Dumbs it down. Well, I mean, that, that's what it is. Simplifies I mean, it. Most most employees aren't worried about you know nineteen ten point one four six. They definitely like, don't want to read it. Yeah, they're like, uh, what? Yeah, and there's a little hyperlink. You're like, yeah, I'm proud of that. And like, yeah, no one's gonna click on it except you know maybe. Me. Maybe 
yeah, maybe another safety professional or maybe, you know, they're like, oh, okay. So yeah, that's kind of nice. So they, they, they were thoughtful in, in building this program. When you do those simplified, you know, documents, again, we talked about this before, know your audience. Mm-hmm. If it's just for the field workers, help, help them understand. I think you said you had a couple of, of employees, like maybe it was the same one that came out of college and they were using all these big words and different one. Yeah. Okay. So they were using all these big words and they're high level of college level reading. And they're like, yeah, you know, like I just submitted a, you know, a master's thesis. Yeah. Look at me. And then the employees are like, what does that mean? I've even, used, I've even used some, uh, even my vocabulary. I try to, I try to lower it a little bit sometimes. And even sometimes I've lowered it and they're like, what's that mean? I'm like, that's a pretty common word, but I guess, you know, in my circles it's uh, yeah. Yeah. It just depends on the person, I guess. But yeah, so that that would be our biggest tip is identify, you know, if you guys have never used the PDCA, you know, PDCA, plan, do, check, act. Mm. That's a that's one of the good more management systems is plan, do, check, act. That's your first first hurdle is planning who's involved. What's the scope? Who who needs to be involved in in the process of whatever changes that you're making? Of course, keep your your advisors and your managers. Um, I, I would I, I would give another hint or tip, as you will, um, with the situation that you gave, right? Typically what we end up finding out is people do that. They'll spend 40 hours on one program and they'll fig- they'll find out that they did way too much or they went in the wrong direction. Do daily or, you know, every other day or weekly updates with your supervisor or manager just to make sure you're on, on track. I've done that. I've started doing that more with my subordinates as I try to if they're working on a project, I try to kind of make sure that they're they're heading the right direction because oftentimes they'll work day and night and night and day and they'll put all this stuff in there, you know, like even like a pro like a training program. We could talk about that too. Is they're putting all this stuff in there and they have videos and they the animations and all of it. And they spent so much time and they're so proud, like, yes, look at my masterpiece. And then you kind of break it down. And you're like, dude, this is way too much. You were mm-hmm. way off base. There's so much in there. It's because we kind of sometimes we we think you know, highly of our, our people. And then what happens is they, we kind of build them up and they're like, yeah, I did all this. And then you kind of knock them back down and they kind of sometimes can get resentful that their project either was, um, not changed, but you know, there was, there was a lot of alter, um, alterations done to it to fit. So hopefully if you're listening to this and you're at that, that, that lower level, talk with them, show them, you know, as you're building it, what your plan is, what you're going to be doing. Use the PDCA method. Um, build your benchmarks. You know, okay, well, I have three weeks to build this project. Okay, I want to have the plan down in the first couple of days. I want to have the basic template down. I want to hone in all this other stuff to make it to fit the company. And then I want to submit it for review like two or three days before. Whatever, whatever benchmarks that you have going on. This way, when you're working with your manager or your advisor, they can kind of show you, oh, you know what? This is great information but it's just not going to work for us. And this is the reason why, like you said, I think it was a perfect example of, you know, she has a 70 page essay and it could have just put it, been put into two or three pages. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just get down to the meat. This is all we need. How is it going to fit with our, our company? How does it, you know, um, how's it going to interact with other departments? Boom. Sweet, concise, easy, to, easy to digest. Wait, one other thing that you kind of put in my head right now when you were talking was, what if have you ever had so i've had this experience too i've, I've had her right that yeah. goes way overboard and then i've had that also on the opposite, opposite side end, where they go way where under. the guy comes back with a program that's like half a page it's written in crayon and it like <laughs> explains 
nothing. It's like it is only like a field level, and it just says like, oh, make sure you wear your gloves and your hard hat when you're doing this task or something like that. So if you're at that point, do, what do you think? Copy about, and paste. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. copy and what do you think about it not being a bad idea <laughs> to Google it online? <laughs> to Google and copy and paste. And then maybe see like, yeah, maybe that's when you should go to regulate. It's it's all about like. I think that's why you started off in the beginning saying like, this is why safety people focus on this so much in the beginning, because if you don't know anything like, yes, go there. If you have nowhere else to go, go to the regulations. Yeah. hundred percent. And use those and make sure you're at least meeting those. If you're writing a program, and yes. you don't know what you're doing. And then as you hone in your skills, go to everything else that we said yeah. in this, in this or, episode. Like I said, the best thing to do if, if you're, if, if you're new and this, this can span all, I mean, obviously we're talking about if you have that support, Oftentimes, I know a lot of our listeners don't have that support. They're alone. They're alone resource. Safety people. Uh, go out. I mean, we can. We're going to transition into this stuff right now. But you know, go on Reddit. Ask other people. Ask other professionals. Hey, I have a document. I'm having trouble. I'm not familiar with. Blah, blah blah. You know, whatever it is, go on there. Explain the situation. Hey, I have this. We got a citation, and I don't know how to handle it. Or hey, I I have this program I'm trying to build. And I don't feel comfortable going to my managers. Can you guys help me? This is the program. What do you think? Am I headed the right direction? And of course, you know, we're always on there. I'm always on there. You know, let us know. But we're we're willing to help you guys. Just go out there and and put it out there. I mean, you can even send us an email with the, the document attached. What do you think, Joe? What do you think? Okay, well, tell me about your company and give us some more information so we can kind of give you a good basis. Yeah, you know what? You're heading in the right direction, but this is, you're doing a little bit too much. Or you know what? This is not enough. You need to, you know, especially if it's a, a higher risk category, you know, start bumping it up a little bit more, you know, add more information, you know, that kind of stuff. Or, you know, like you said before, maybe you're targeting the wrong audience. Maybe you're the regu- you're not doing regulation. You're, you're talking to people, right? If you have a program that only talks to your, your, your entry, not your entry level, but your, your production level people and OSHA comes in and you don't have anything for them. That's where you're going to run into those problems as well. They're like, well, yeah, but this doesn't meet the intent. This doesn't meet the the um, regulation. We want something that's going to provide the specific, you know, we've had that, we've had one of our customers come in and she said specific wording, especially during like heat illness, mm-hmm. right? Uh, aptly cool or whatever. I, I remember the suitably cool, suitably cool, right? Those types of little phrases, sometimes th- that's important, right? So again, if you don't have the resource of having a supervisor, uh, you know, a safety advisor or manager, you know, to start building those programs and, and ask for the help, get other sources, have friends. That's why we have networks and stuff. I know a lot of people send me stuff every once in a while. Hey, Joe, what do you think about this? I have a question on, I had a guy hit me up um, uh, the other day about guy wires and overhead power lines. And it was crazy because he sat there and he he explained, he, he opened up with, hey, these are the regulations. This is how it applies, X, Y, Z. But I'm having trouble getting it to fit my company. And I said, okay, well, this is what you want to take into account. What is it that you guys care about? What is the expectations and X, Y, Z? Because oftentimes as, as the customer, as you are the customer, you can make whatever stupid rules you want. And that's why we hate you. You can make the most ups. <laughs> it's how it works. Tell me if you ever, ever worked at retail. Some stupid customer comes in and says, hey, uh, this is what I want. And I'm like, what? We don't, we don't do that here. Like, yeah, you know, you come to Pizza Hut and they're asking for, you know, wood planking or something like, like, like they're from home Depot. I've, mm-hmm. I've had, well, I worked in electronics and we had some of the most bizarre. Yeah. We're not going to get into those, those requests, but there are people ask some of the weirdest stuff. Like we don't do that here, sir. We sell electronics. So the customer is always wrong, but what? Yeah. That's, that's the truth. 
If the customer were right, were right they'd be working there. <laughs> but as the customer, you can make whatever rules you want, and everybody kind of has to bend to that whim. But as you're creating it for yourself, sometimes that's going to be, and we, we probably should have maybe harped a little bit more on that, is sometimes you have to do not just production, not just quality, but you might also have to take into account different departments, even clients. I think you mentioned that a little bit. I know. I know your previous company, you worked for multiple different uh, clients and they had a wide variety of different roles. And sometimes you have to learn how to build the program one for each Mm -hmm. or one that's going to kind of split the two. Uh, I know we've had many arguments in some of the companies that I worked for where they're like, well, we're our own company. We do what we want. I'm like, yes, I I get that. But at the end of the day, you know, we have to be able to meet their standards, right? And so it's learning how to split the split yeah. the difference. Okay, well, let's do this middle road so that way both both co- companies or three companies or four companies are satisfied yep. with whatever we're putting or regulators. out. Right now, I'm regulators, dealing, yeah. Right now, I'm dealing with that because I just had the uh, I just had a regulator in, and they were asking why we were doing things a certain yeah, I way. Called, like, I hey, called OSHA on you on purpose. It wasn't OSHA. Yeah, I called uh, MSHA. And they said it's <laughs> called MSHA for your MSHA your company. <laughs> They said, why are you guys doing it like this? And they said, you know, you don't have to do it like that. And I said, oh, yeah, but we do because we also fall into the we'll European this, Union. This, this, yeah. yeah. And so we're trying to follow the European Union as well as the United States uh, mm-hmm. certain regulators. So you just got to figure out what's going to work best for your business. Best for your business. Because you're right. Imagine if you had only done just the United States regulation and not the European standard. Now you've been out of compliance. Now yeah. you could have completely cost the company you know, potentially billions of dollars because of that mistake. So again, kind of start reinforces the idea that, hey, look, look how it's going to affect other people. You know, make that start making that transition. It's no longer me. It's more about we. How is every going to be impacted? If I'm going to build a program, I wanted to take in mind, okay, who's going to, as you do in your plant PDCA, who is this going to impact? Oh, I need to get those people involved. Not only does it increase buy-in, but you're gonna you're gonna get through a lot of red tape. You're gonna get a lot of you know, especially when you you implement a lot of things and you implement them, and then uh, uh, production goes, "We're not doing that," right? I'm sure you've heard that plenty of times when somebody implements a plan or a program. We're not doing that. Why not? This is the, this is what we have to do. Perfect example. You didn't you didn't take them into account, you know, especially when it comes to like purchasing new equipment or one of my favorite ones is you know an increase in in red danger tape and i know i know you understand this <laughs> hey let's let's make put red danger tape everywhere okay but what's the environmental impact 30 different companies and you know i don't know 30 or 40 different situations every day using red danger tape a three lot. or four times a day i mean all of a sudden there's a shortage of red danger tape why because Someone implemented a rule where a red danger tape had to be put in. And I'm not saying that it wasn't effective. It's just they they didn't they didn't consider the consequences. The consequences of their action. They didn't consider you know other people. Well, if we did this, would you guys do it? No. Why? Because the cost of uh, red danger tape would cost you know higher because there's a now a higher demand and it costs more and it's not permanent and we you know it's disposable. So not only are we talking about just the higher cost of production, but now we're talking about the time of them having to put it into place and then throw it away. And then now that it's littered all over the field, which mm-hmm. creates an environmental impact. And all we have to do is have one regular to come by. And why is all this trash here? <laughs> There's more citations. So again, that's a great example of, of how a great idea that protects people and saves lives can be, can be resented amongst other people because it didn't, didn't involve them. So Again, uh, we're trying to try to cut it a little short is if you guys do have these questions, 
do not hesitate to call us. Call us. Send call us, us an email. Let us know. Send us an email at thecultureofsafety at gmail.com. Yep. I don't think that anybody has my number, so you won't be able to call me. You can also send us a DM on Instagram. DM. Hit us in the DMs. Uh, slide into Joe's DMs. Slide into my DMs. Or find us on Reddit. Yeah, find us on Reddit, DMs, uh, email, thecultureofsafetygmail.com. You can hit me up in Instagram, too, the Popular Safety Guys. Yep. Um, Popular Safety Guys on Facebook. Um, no, Culture of Safety on Culture Facebook. Culture of Safety, I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, and then the Popular Safety Guys on on um, Only OnlyFans. And, oh, no, I forgot. We, we, we nixed that idea. Matt didn't like that idea, apparently. Um, I think that's it. That's it. Yeah, just let us know, guys. We're always here to help. We're always here to guide you. I know, like I said, the biggest one is is the Reddit. Hit us up on Reddit. We're, I'm always on Reddit. I'm always on Instagram and yeah. Facebook. Yeah, you are. Also, uh, just thank you to all the listeners that aren't entry level that have been sticking with you. Yes, it. thank you so much for being patient. Just so you guys know, like, in the your turn's coming. Your turn. Well, yeah. We're, I mean, we're gonna get some more, um, more higher level topics soon, but. The reason I think we focused on entry level one is because that's a lot of people start. But yes. also we got like almost, I'd say 90% of the emails and messages we got in the first few months of our podcast were all entry level questions. Yes. How do I get in? How do I do this? What certifications do I need? Over and over and over. So we really wanted to hit this really hard. And I, now we're coming to the end of it and we're starting to move up. Yeah, so it feels I'm good. Excited. It feels kind of freeing because I'm like, now, now we can get to the meat and the substance. You're like, yes, no longer are we you know, catering to a specific group. Now we can kind of get, you know, because I feel like when you get into like the mid-level, things just open up. That's like, I, I see a lot of people get frustrated. And I think, I think, you know, you've read those emails too, where people are in the entry level and they're just frustrated. Wow. I'm not making a difference. I'm not making an impact. Nah, 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 nah. Well, yeah, because you're still in that technician mindset. You need to learn how to use leadership and all these different skills to make that mind shift change, get into that higher level. That's where I'll, I'll be honest with you. That's where a real safety professional becomes. At that mid level, that's when you're like, oh wow, I, I Home Depot. I'm sorry, yeah, you're starting to get to that Home Depot level. Wow, I'm, okay, I'm getting the Milwaukee, I'm getting the higher, you know, craftsman. There you go. You know the good, craftsman, yeah. the good level, you know, good, good tools, stuff that you will last a while, and they have the little cool little ratchet sets. You're getting a bunch of cool little skills that make you more effective in the field, and in that's when you become, you know, another popular safety individual. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Yes. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Yep. All right. Bye.